this episode of Comedy Rewind. Do Jim Carrey's cartoonish antics of The Mask seem out of place in 2020? How does the comedy's reliance on special effects hold up today? Should Cameron Diaz have been arrested for stealing so many hearts? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me for party time, we've got Betty McJanet hey, and Simon Blackburn from Take My Turn Podcast. How you doing, Simon? Yeah, yeah, very good. Very keen to talk about my favorite film. Full yes. stop. <laughs> that, I, I find that amazing. We're talking about The Mask, first of all, I should say. And uh, when I found out that this was Simon Blackbird's favorite film of all time, I was like, okay, I got to find out the story behind this. But uh, first of all, why don't you tell the, uh, the listeners who may not be familiar with your breadth of work about who you are, what do you do? Okay, yeah, so basically, uh, podcast-wise, as you said, uh, Take My Tone, that's um, something I've been running for a year now. It's basically a music discovery podcast where um, it's myself and a different guest each week, and we uh, each choose a song, and, and any song we want, and we give to the other, uh, to the other person, and basically, uh, yeah, discuss our reactions and compare and contrast, and uh, end each episode asking if we take their tone. It's um, It's been a good way to force myself out of certain musical boundaries uh, that I I find myself in so I've been uh, open to a lot of not uh, hard rock and not metal sort of thing so um, and then it's also in turn been good you know playing that sort of stuff for for other people that normally uh, wouldn't listen to it so yeah it's a it's a bit of fun and then um, yeah prior to that I did sort of four years of of tech podcasting but um, I've certainly found uh, a new passion within Take My Tone being um, that music is such a big part of my life yeah yeah, it's always a fun challenge to try and find music for people, isn't it? Like, you know, you kind of sum them up, you think like, okay, I'm over here, they're over there, what's something that's like halfway in between and, and hopefully you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. And Benny, everybody knows you, you're yeah, your old I'm, I'm, piece of furniture around here. I'm old hack, I'm old hack. What's this, <laughs> yeah. my third episode with you on this show now? Uh, at least we did yeah. basketball. We did dumb, dumb and dumber. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now, now we're talking about the mask. So yeah. I know well, it, from it helps the... that I actually saw all these movies at the cinemas. Yeah, when okay. I was a teenager, because I lived through. I was like old enough to go and see these at the movies when mm. I was in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when we did the dumb and dumber pod. You mentioned mm. that the mask was was one of your favorites at the time. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, what you think of it now. But we'll start with Simon. This is your favorite movie. You know, most people, they'll say, like, you know, Shawshank Redemption, Inception, you know, Gladiator, whatever. But no, for you, it's The Mask. Tell us about what it is that makes this movie number one in your pantheon. Well, first of all, Jim Carrey is just an absolute inspiration for me in everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and there's just... <laughs> and it's not just his comedic work, you know, um, even the more sort of dramatic films he's done. I've always been such a big fan and this was the initial movie that sparked my love for him. Like, you know, I was trying to rank my favourite Jim Carrey films and, you know, one of the Ace Venturas is, is definitely right up there, but there's always something that can't, you know, when you have that nostalgic connection for uh, an entry point, mm. you know, almost like the first album of a band that you got into sort of scenario. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... I just find it's a perfect balance of 
of, of everything. He gets to be this sort of like geeky kind of like hopeless guy in, in Stanley Ipkiss and then he gets to be this zany larger in life cartoon brought to life sort of thing um, as the mask and then the mask himself then impersonates other sort of people so it's a really multifaceted kind of like approach and, and a great mm. way to provide all these different sort of comedic angles of Jim Carrey into one film that it doesn't feel like it's been uh, you know like forced in or, or overstuffed or anything like that and I and I also just love the certain '90s tropes and everything within this film. That um, you know, it's it's like it's like your your I, John and Benny. You know, growing up in the '90s, you just have an affinity for that time. Um, so I just think all that combined, uh, I I can't go past it. There are plenty of films, like you said, Inception, and that that are right up there. <laughs> you know, I'm massive massive Christopher Nolan fan, but there's something about this that's just so uh, rewatchable that. Yeah, it's it's just part of my life. No, that, that's interesting. I, I guess it's a, a big nostalgia factor for you. Then it's not simply just that you think it's a, a work of art or something. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess it's it, it's going to be good to kind of dig through and talk about some of the things you've brought up already. And one of them for me that I noticed watching it was kind of this Stanley Ipkiss versus the Mask and those two characters because I haven't seen this movie for honestly. It's probably been at least 20 years um mm. i watched mm. it when i was a kid i remember watching it in a caravan park actually you know we were on holiday up in maruchidor up near i guess close close-ish to you benny yeah, and, kinda. Um, <laughs> same state uh and you two know, hours they, away it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like whether it was summer holidays or whatever you know the caravan park's packed and they have like movie nights and they put on the big projector and you you know sit around with your camp snacks and it was the mask and i remember watching it then and just loving it because it was a cartoon and in a lot of ways i feel like it's it's still a cartoon like it's kind of a it feels kind of like a kids movie watching it now as an adult but then it is not really a kids movie because it has like all this violence and gangsters yeah. and, <laughs> and, and and like shootouts and it's like it, it makes it a, a weird kind of movie where it was i i guess adults it was appealing to adults sense of nostalgia for looney tunes and what could happen if we could make a real life cartoon with special effects which you know were cutting edge at the time yeah we'll get to that it, it's it's funny you mentioned that because i it, it reminds me a lot in the way and i was just thinking about it while i was listening to simon talk as well but like mm. it reminds me a lot of who framed roger rabbit as well yeah. mm, uh, from around that time it, it gives a lot more of that vibe but with a bit more of a grown-up story i suppose sure yeah. yeah and it was like it's it's this thing where i thinking back having not watched it for a long time i remember mm. all these scenes from the mask they're part of pop culture like they're icon iconic really but i didn't remember m most of the scenes with stanley ipkiss and they were the ones that i enjoyed more as jim carrey just being this kind of nerdy goofy like man child in some ways he loves cartoons there's like car like one brothers cartoons looney tunes stuff all around his apartment on the walls on his like cushions and it's just things there that i didn't notice the first time around but i, I found that character of stanley ipkiss much more to my liking than the, the over the top kind of cheesy the mask mm. even though you know there there are some impressions that he does that are just like still quite funny but to me, it was so it's it's so cheesy and cartoony that as an adult that 
hasn't continued to watch it throughout my, um, I guess, teenage years and adulthood, I, I guess I don't have the nostalgia of it being my comfort food or anything. It's more just I remember watching it as a kid. Mm. Um, and I think that's fair enough. You know, it's... Um yeah, for for me, a lot of it is is stemmed into the fact that I've watched it that many times. I've quoted it that many times. It's yeah. like mm. part of my DNA. It it is it is like again much up there with quotability and everything like that. It's Ventura films and stuff. But yeah. oh yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. There's and and like my favorite scene in the movie, which I'll touch on later, is something that's not even meant to be that funny um, as well. And it's, it just it makes it makes me laugh just thinking about it. So I'll I'll hold that for later. But um, sure. Yeah, I, I can see that if you don't have, if you've watched it all that time ago and then now, I, I, I guess I get some of the, the reservations um, or mm. whatever, because there are some films that, you know, particularly as a kid, you're like, wow, this is amazing, this was so funny, and then you see it all this time later, you're like, man, that's super cheesy, or that hasn't aged well, was <laughs> I feel mm. like, um, and we will get into it, I feel like uh, The Mask has actually aged relatively well. Um uh, unlike, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of some other, f- say, um, because oh, you, you've done an episode on American Pie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whereas I feel like watching that now, for me, it, it it's, the cheesiness is really stalling, like, to, uh, sure. like it doesn't flow very well, so mm-hmm. that's kind of what I mean between something back then that you thought was hilarious and now not so much. Yeah, I mean, it's a well-made movie, I think the pacing and everything's great compared to something like American Pie which I think it was the direct must have been the director's first attempt at this kind of you know bigger budget film yeah I was just gonna say I think it also attributes to the fact that like this movie takes a lot of its uh beats from like cartoons as well and a lot of cartoons do end up being that sort of that timeless um and I think that's where I love Looney Tunes yeah I mean who doesn't love Looney Tunes and if you do you don't love Looney Tunes you're a monster um (laughs) but like yeah probably Disney if you don't love Looney Tunes (laughs) Uh, yeah I guess so um but yeah it's just one of those things where I think that uh yeah it it holds a lot of its value and especially a lot of its comedic tones even the cheesiness is a lot more forgivable because it comes from that cartoon background styling of storytelling, mm. um, and that yeah, that probably works in its favour a lot. Yeah. Plus, I also think that um, that Jim Carrey is like the human embodiment of a cartoon. Oh, hundred percent. Particularly at yeah. that time, he, he's, he's that expressive, you know, mm. and so he's like the guy for that role. So yeah, yeah, that's super poignant because I think the director mentioned in some of the background that I was researching that. They saved a lot of money on special effects because Jim Carrey's body movements were so flexible and cartoonish that they yeah. didn't have to digitally <laughs> enhance them. But Benny, That's what awesome. was your background with this? Like you, as I mentioned, were a fan of this as a kid, but um, yeah. is it something that you've come back to over the years? Um, not so much come back to over the years, not like um, Simon. As it's not that I've not liked the movie or anything to, enough to come back to it it's just one of those things where i've never really gone out of my way to like watch it or anything like that um mm-hmm. but like my original and I, I think i talked about this briefly on the dumb and dumber episode as well is i remember seeing this at the little tambourine mountain uh cinemas or cinema i should say and all it's got is basically they had these uh beach style recliner chairs um where the um 
it was one of those things. They'd have a movie, like a matinee movie, and then an evening movie sort of thing uh, going on of a weekend. Little country towns sort of vibe, and they had these beach chairs and the. It's the ones where you've got like the cloth that like slopes down and it kind of like self suspends you, but the cloth is all stretched stretched out so much you could feel the wood <laughs> underneath it. So everyone would bring their own pillows and stuff, and yeah, it was it was, it was like this old rustic country sort of thing, and it was. Uh, a treat for the town to go to the movies and all that sort of stuff sort of thing. But, like, it was also a treat when we got to go down off the mountain and go to the actual Gold Coast and go to a real cinema. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember seeing The Mask there as well as Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura and things like that. So um, I was just thinking, I think I saw Cable Guy there as well, but I've got a feeling I saw that in Brisbane, oh, actually. So um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, I was 10, 11 when this came out, so... Like, yeah, it's just one of those things. I don't know. I'm, it's it's stuck with me. A lot of the lines from it have stuck with me. I remember it was one of those uh, movies as a kid that was like, oh, it's on TV. I have to tape it. So, like, we'd tape it, tape it mm. and I'd, then I'd watch it to death and memorize all the lines and things like that. Um, and, like, it kind of made me, in a lot of Jim Carrey stuff and also, you know, thinking back, like, Robert Williams stuff, especially, like, with Mrs. Doubtfire, it made me, as a young kid, experiment with my voice and things a lot. Oh yeah, and like I, I, I thought, shit, this is a viable thing to do. If these guys do it. I could, I could do cartoon voices, and sure enough, I, I can't do them very well at all. Um, <laughs> but you know, like I thought it was like a cool thing, so I'd run around quoting all the lines. Like I, I still use the, um, the sorry, son, the dog was rabbit, had to put it down. <laughs> I've actually got that one noted down because that's yeah. one of my favourite quotes. <laughs> it's one of my favourite lines in the or the whoops yeah. wrong pocket. Like I didn't get that as a kid, and I was exactly, I would say exactly. that all the time. <laughs> Obviously now, like in my teenage years and all that, as I got older, I was like, oh, that's what that meant. Um, <laughs> in that scene, you hear the little like giggle from the yeah, the yeah, lady yeah. in the background. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, it's one of those yeah. things where it's... Improv, just, that line. Yeah. Um, and like, a Tamagun. Like, those sorts of things. Oh. Like, just iconic, you like, pretty much narrowed, narrowed down all your memories to one scene in the film. I mean, well, I've got other ones, like the, the Pepe Le Pew scene and things like of course, that. Yeah. yeah, and like, yeah, there's all sorts of little cool things. Um, and like, re-watching it as well, like the, um, the dance-off. The dancing number and all that sort of shit. That just rings a bell uh, repetitively. Because yeah. I remember... This is the other thing from a memory standpoint. I don't know if you guys remember it. But uh, this was like one of the hit songs on Rage of a Saturday morning. Like watching it on Rage oh, really? and stuff and video hits. Like that, It wasn't that exact song. But like it would start with like him go like them doing the freeze thing the and him him yeah. making the cops dancing and all that sort of stuff. I can't remember the exact song. I wish I could for the... Lo- but um, they had, like, a video clip and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, him running around singing and dancing and all that sort of shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So- Crazy times. The 90s. Wonderful times. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess we should give it a bit of background. Uh, it was mm. 1994, and this was the middle of the kind of holy trinity of Jim Carrey movies that year. Mm-hmm. Ace Ventura, The Mask. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I'd probably put them the mask in third place just out of those. But it did make uh, over $350 million on a $23 million budget. Yeah. So nice. that's amazing. It's incredible. It was 
I guess it's technically a superhero movie, which made it the second most profitable film based it's on actually, a comic yeah, up it's to a that point. Comic comic book movie. Yeah, just mm. behind Superman. Do you guys know much about that Dark Horse comic? Because I've there's a really interesting article called I think it's called Behind the Mask on the ringer and it is the kind of oral history of getting this movie made and it's fascinating yeah i i haven't seen that but i did like i did look into trying to find the comic and like i said because i came from a small country town um and getting to the city and everything wasn't exactly easy uh didn't get a chance Mm. to actually find any of the comics but i was yeah it as I got older, and like there was even a cartoon based off the series later on in yes, life and everything. Yeah, I remember the cartoon. But like the oh, um, yeah. the comic the comic book uh, is vastly vastly different from my understanding to, uh, to the movie as well because like it's a lot more violent from memory. Yes, did you ever dig it up, Simon? No, no, I didn't. But I um, he you know Benny did mention the the cartoon, and I remember yeah watching all that, and that, that yeah. even has its own quotes in it, like. Salsa, mm. nothing tastes bad with salsa. And he's just like this massive like like thing of salsa and he's like pouring it into his pants or something. It's just yeah. crazy. So um <laughs> Yeah. I mean the the comic was yeah, the inspiration for the movie, but it was so dark, like mm. I, I think the mask was probably closer to the bad guy in this movie, yeah. where he would just like kill people. And the the two mechanics, for example, in this film, you know, we see them with the mufflers shoved up their butts. In yeah. the the comic, they're shoved down their throats and they're like hanging from them at, at the ceiling. So they're like actually murdered. Yeah. And I think they decided it, it wouldn't be as successful if it was so dark. So they kind of turned it into this romantic comedy of sorts. Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to uh, like mm-hmm. watch that as as a kid if it were say an, an MA. But that being said, the classic uh, VHS cover of it with the the tipped hat and you see yep. just the mm-hmm. bottom part of its face, that uh, would actually still make a great cover if it was the violent version. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think like it's a uh, it's harkening back to that kind of like Dick Tracy film noir era which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the scenes and the impersonations he does are following that vibe as well. Yeah, so I, I think Dick, the Dick Tracy movie actually came around uh, maybe a year or so before then too. Like, yeah, it was around that sort of mm. time as well. Yeah. Uh, the film was nominated for Best Visual Effects at the 67th Academy Awards, losing to Forrest Gump. Really? And Jim Carrey was nominated for a Golden Globe, but also a Razzie for Worst New Star. So... <laughs> Uh, I don't know what that means. How can you be nominated for both? Mm. I guess it happens. But yeah, the the special effects, we'll get to that a little bit later because I think that's something that definitely stood out at the time and uh, it hits a little bit differently now. But uh, what, what do you guys think this would be sitting out on Rotten Tomatoes if you had to guess? Well, I specifically didn't look it up, like, uh, listening back to another episode of this, I thought, oh, maybe I should cheat, but no, I, I haven't looked it up. But the fact that you've said that there was a Razzie involved, I'm feeling like it might be a certainly a lower score than I would give it, because I'd give it something unrealistically high for Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, is it a 60? Benny? I was going to say 67. 67. It's 77. Hey! 77, yay! That's, a lot better than That's I was good. Expecting. That, that's yeah, awesome. me too. 
I guess it was... I, I think it would have been a novelty enough at the time with all the special effects. Oh, hell yeah. It, it 100% was. people would have appreciated it, yeah. Um, and like, I mean, yeah, you could probably talk to that, Benny, um, I, as someone I that can, watched like, it at the time it released. Because I can actually remember, like, being on, like... Uh, like, they're doing the press tours and things like that. And, like, so you'd see stuff about it on TV. Um, I want to say... For, for some reason, Hey Hey It's Saturday is, is ringing a bell in my mind. Like, there was something to do with the mask on Hey Hey It's Saturday, and they were talking to, I guess, I guess it was Molly was talking to Jim Carrey or something about it, and, like, how the special effects were so great and everything like that. Everyone was raving about the special effects on TV. Like, that's how the word of mouth of this movie got around, was they were talking about how great the special effects were and how fantastic it looked and everything like that. And that kind of just advertised for the movie itself really Mm. yeah right i've got a quote here from kenneth turin at the la times uh movie critic said not only is jim carrey adapt at physical humor the kind of knockabout stuff that recalls the classic silent clowns but he also has a bright and likable screen presence a lost puppy quality that is surprisingly endearing i think that's a a good quote to kind Mm. of sum up that that is a good summary yeah all right Number one song when the mask released. You're not gonna guess this one for the for the US release, so I'll just tell you it's all for one, I swear. I swear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Just, just looking at the billboard charts that year, there was a lot of R and B. Oh was yeah. R. It... Kelly hitting number one, mm-hmm. Boys to Men hitting number one, Mariah Carey. Uh, but things were rocking a bit harder over in Australia, and the movie released about six months later here. Anyone have any guesses which Australian band hit number one in uh, 1994? 94. Uh, that was the year Buy Me the Pony won Hottest 100, but I don't think that was number one on the charts. Was uh, Silverchair Frog Stomp out in 94? Or was it later? Uh, no, that was 96. So. Was Frogstomp. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. No, Frogstomp, sorry, of... no, no, uh, Freak Show was 96, I think, and Frogstomp, mm. you're right, Frogstomp might have been out around then. Uh, I was saying potentially Silverchair, considering the six months delay too, but I don't know. Which mm. song, Simon? Uh, tomorrow. Crumbs. If I was picking off Frogstomp, it'd be Tomorrow. Bang, that's it, bing, 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 it's Tomorrow by Silverchair. Nice, we collectively, was... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could take half an award each, sweet. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever got it, I don't think anyone has ever got the answer so there you go it was it was on number one for like six weeks and dropped out like the week after it came out yeah, and then right. uh cranberry zombie had a, had oh, a bit of a, okay, yeah. a yeah. go so yeah another another cra- cranker yeah so i'm taking that as a win for australia personally over uh, <laughs> all, all for one <laughs> and boys to men no offense to boys to men uh but much offense to r kelly because you know yeah, not cool. Because R. Kelly. So, what have you done for me lately? Uh, we can talk about Jim Carrey here. This is the third time we've done a Jim Carrey podcast, and I've always been able to say, you know, he's got this Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming up soon. Has anyone here watched that movie? Nah, that, that's a DVD re- or Netflix release. For yeah, me. no, I yeah. saw. I saw it. Um, I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe you can tell me or share with the listeners on your thoughts on his performance there as Robotnik. His performance is the highlight of the film, easily. Yeah. So, if you have any love for this golden age, if you want to say that, of Jim Carrey, then this harkens back to 
a, a lot of that, but it, mm. not not in the way that it feels like it's being forced too much. He still has developed enough of a different character as Robotnik, so he he has a lot more evil intentions and things like that. So yeah, it, it's it was one of those things where I was literally only going to see it because of that. I don't have much mm-hmm. of a nostalgic tie to Sonic or anything at all, and I kind of like sure. knew that even with the redesign and everything, I was just like. I, I knew it was going to be a, eh, a, a, a an average movie sort of thing. And so I had lowish expectations, but I came out a little bit higher um, with, mm. yeah, essentially Jim Carrey being the, the saving grace for the film. That being said, it, it ends with a couple of different scenes uh, to set up for a sequel, um, and and I'd be happy to watch the sequel. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Glowing review. And I honestly heard nothing but praise for the performance, so that's only got to be good for him. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that he's been working on is the series Kidding, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but I've enjoyed it so far. There's a second season on Stan now, yeah. if you uh, want to get into that. And it's really quirky, and he's playing kind of a serious role, but it's it's definitely got a lot of humor in it as well. Mm. Yeah, so I'm um, completely up to date with that. So watch the second nice. season as well. Um, and the second season just gets quirkier. Like, they certainly up that factor. What's crazy about this is that, so, you know, we can admit Jim Carrey kind of was going off the rails a little bit there, uh-huh. um, you know, <laughs> and and he's and he sort of, you know, quit acting and Jim Carrey doesn't exist and all this other stuff. And, and he, he's come back and I really feel like Kidding was kind of like almost his turning point back into taking acting seriously again. Uh, what's interesting with this is this sort of fragility in his character in that show mm. He said that he's hardly even acting in that show. Like that is kind of how he feels and and where he's at in life. So it sort of yeah. makes makes the certain tension and everything in it um, just hit home that bit more. So yeah, I think it's it's a great series, very creative, and yeah, I sort of can't wait for the next season. Yeah, it definitely brings so much to the role that it's him. I think and knowing kind of you know who he's been, what he's been through. And yeah, there's a, it's not a spoiler, but there's a scene where he has a a general anesthetic for one reason and his like mind trip dream is amazing. It's like a musical number and it's (laughs) Mm. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the mask again. What's the most. Oh, we aren't going to talk about uh, the lady of the film. Oh, sorry. I I, I was going to, yeah, I forgot to because Cameron Diaz has retired. So that's what I should say is we did this something about Mary a couple of months ago and that was, we kind of went through that, uh, First of all, this is her first Her movie. debut film, yeah. Yes, yes. The credits say, introducing Cameron Diaz, and she was just this model that they mm. found and thought they'd give her a shot against oh, the studio's she, wishes. And She was one of the reasons why I became a man. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of an entrance scene. Like, oh, the entrance yes. scene of yeah. her. This is one of those films where... Um, the does it work line was just... Uh, <laughs> 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 but but with this, I um I spent most of my like replayability of the mask around year eight, year nine time. That's when I really rekindled sort of my my love right. for it because I I saw it when it it uh, you know came out as a kid and I was I was quite young and I didn't see it all that time later until that sort of year two thousand two thousand one time and that's when myself and and a friend up the road road we like watched it just heaps on on repeat and stuff. And obviously, you know, year eight, year nine, things change. Uh, and I remember when uh, Cameron Diaz came on the screen, I was just like, oh, 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 
Okay. Okay. Then yeah. All right. I, I see I what's happening now, here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get it now. Um, that that being said, she you know because Charlie's Angels came out around the same time, and I remember yeah. back then being like, man, she's so much hotter in this. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I, I sort of think after this point, it was kind of like downhill in terms of interest in that way uh, for me. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, just so we're not three guys objectifying this woman, I watched the movie with my wife and she was like, man, she looks amazing in this film. Mm. And she really does. Like, she's just drop-dead gorgeous and she's owning it and there's no yeah, really she, hints she, that it's her first role. Yeah, she actually kills the exactly. role. She, she does a fantastic yeah. job with everything that she's given in the, in the film. Yeah. And I don't think it's the best character and I'll get into that a bit later. Like, oh, she no. doesn't have a whole lot to work with. But what she does, like, if, from... You know, turning up and just being a, a bombshell, and mm. then the dancing and everything. Like, yeah, she she does really well. But yeah. well, as as Benny was saying, the um, sorry, the reference to Who Framed Roger yeah. Rabbit, it's kind of yeah. like that. She's almost embo- embodying that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. <laughs> the Jessica Rabbit one. Yeah. yeah, especially in that scene. Yeah, and it is uh, unfortunate that she's retired because she's very talented. Mm. Even um, you know, I think that she kind of started picking some lazy roles in my opinion but um and stopped kind of challenging herself but i think if she ever wants to make a comeback i'm sure that there's room for her in hollywood yeah uh yeah so we'll move on what's the most 90s moment the vhs tapes going into the vcr (laughs) i mean it's kind of hard to go past that um opening a savings account as well is pretty 90s yes yep yeah, uh, absolutely. In a, so I was in a say bank that, like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sort of going into actually speaking some to face-to-face to open a savings account, and then he has that massive pencil sharpener. And yep, I was yep. like, people don't use those things these days. <laughs> so that, for me, is is the is the 90s give, giveaway or the bit that I mm. yeah, think of the most. Mm. I guess, yeah. Uh, I don't even know why anyone would use a pencil unless they're drawing something now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that and all the baggy suits. Everyone's suits are so... Oh, just yeah. a little bit too large for him. High waist, like high pants are really high on the waist too. Yeah. And the, t- the ties, the ties. <laughs> and the ties. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Mm. Actually, that was one. Think- you mentioned the ties. And it was actually like in the later scene when they're in the charity ball and everyone's wearing a bow tie. It's like, people don't wear bow ties anymore. Not enough people wear bow ties anymore. Like for nice I think things. We, we wear them to like weddings and stuff. It, it became yeah. popular again, like in the last five years, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. It's just one of those things. It's like not enough people wear bow ties, and bow ties look great. <laughs> and they should wear, more people should wear bow ties. That was just my thoughts. I agree. We were yeah, re watching this film for the podcast, and then Benny's plunged into despair. Why the bow ties? Why? <laughs> 100%. percent is like, I'm going to go buy me some more bow ties. I already got a few. I'm going to go buy some more now. <laughs> yeah, I thought that the special effects were the most 90s thing because mm. obviously as much as, you know, the VCR and the VHS and the computer that you had at the bank with the black screen and the green text, like he's down in a hatch in Lost mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, that that dates it really well, but I think the special effects do as well. Even though they were cutting edge and obviously they were Academy Award nominated, you can watch it now and it very much speaks to that era, whether it's like Space Jam or oh, yeah. uh, I guess Who Framed Roger Rabbit was about six years before this. But yeah, th- there's certain things that hold up really well and then some of them just don't. Yeah, I, and- think, I think for the most part though, it does actually hold up pretty yeah, well I like i mean there are bits that stand out obviously um but for like like i said for the most part it actually holds up pretty damn well 
And a lot of it would be forgivable even by today's standards too. And I think along that vein, the reason it holds up so well is because uh, because of where technology was at that time, they used it sparingly. It wasn't a year 2000 film where they just went overboard with CGI because a lot of um, turn-of-the-century films, they date very horribly. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh. um, I remember re-watching uh, Lost in Space, loving it when I saw it in the cinema, Rewatched it last year. I was like, oh, my God, this looks horrible. Mm. And But where's the mask? It's like they only really use it for you know quick movements and stuff and obviously you know Milo and things like that. But... Aside from you know the jaw drop and everything, but aside from that, it's <laughs> there's practical effects and there's makeup. So yeah, and yeah, and it also like even the special effects that they do use, it suits the cartoon tone of the film. Yeah, that you just immediately forgive it. Yeah, true. That's why it's That's so forgivable because it's it does stand out, but it stands out as a cartoon because the character is such a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like no, when but- he pulls out all the guns at the end, and it's a massive like. You know, yeah. a, a whole armory of guns, and they shoot out, and it says like "bang" in the little flag that drops down. I really like that gag, but the guns look really cool. Yeah, <clears throat> the special effects holds up really well. When he gets flat, like he falls out the window and he's flattened, like, and then he has to peel himself <laughs> off. Like that doesn't look so good, and that <laughs> reminded me kind of of, of, um, <laughs> of the the Nutty Professor, which I watched with Salim a few weeks ago, and. Like some of the special effects in that, where it's like a manipulation of the the body shape, that doesn't work so well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the wooga on the little horn as well. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I especially think, yeah, as you said, the flattened part. But again, mm. it's so quick. And then, yeah, the aruga. Yeah. I think the actual animation of like the gold part of of that yeah. horn. Yeah, that probably does look more day. But again, it's it's just. It's not something. It's not meant to look like a big realistic model or a monster or something. It is cartoon, and it's and that's why it's forgivable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. This somehow delved into like what holds up the best and worst, but we'll go back. (laughs) What's the most like? What's the most iconic scene in uh, the mask for you guys? Well, I think embodying the film and something people always tie to the film or say it is the original smoking. Um, looking yeah. in the mirror, yeah. that's that's everywhere, um, and of True. course the, yeah. the the jaw the jaw drop with the tongue roll and the eyes popping, yeah, um, yeah, those two you see the most with like memes and things like that. Yeah, and oh, yeah, yeah, just that yellow suit, that yellow suit, mm. that scene <laughs> at the at the club with the yellow suit. Everything, anytime he's wearing the yellow suit in the film, that's the iconic stuff that stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if I yeah. think back on the mask, that's the stuff I think of. I also think of the bit where he's in the Western suit and, and accepting the Academy Award. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, they're the bits that I remember standing the test of time. And I mentioned it earlier, the, the scene with the, the cops dancing and everything like that. And he's in the, the, I don't know what, the, the Caribbean outfit. Thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Caribbean, um, yeah. like that stuff, like. Back then was iconic, and this is what I said because that w- that was the stuff that was in the the film the mm. music video that they put alongside with the movie. And like back then, that scene felt iconic because of that music video and things like that. Whereas now, when we look back at it, the stuff that we remember is a little bit because of the the the, the poster and everything as well is the yellow suit, mm. the stuff with the yellow suit, 
And then the internet meme-worthy stuff of some of the other shit that comes up as well. But the like, thing we, is, we, as yeah. you say, with that big musical number, I just have mm. to say Chim Chicky Boom to anyone and they know exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. Chim Chicky Boom, Chim Chicky I was singing it all day after watching it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I love this scene so much. Yeah. It surprisingly comes into my head quite regularly for a movie that I haven't rewatched over the years. <laughs> The, the Cuban, I, I definitely downloaded Cuban Pete on Napster. Yeah. And I reckon I listened to it a lot in like 2000 for whatever reason. <laughs> and it was Jim, it is Jim Carrey singing. I'll give him some credit there too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the yellow suit is only worn for like five or 10 minutes in oh, the yeah. movie, but you're right. Like it is the Coco Bongo scene, like I guess the second time he they go there yep. when he is the mask. That is the most iconic scene to me. It's It's got him showing up. It's got him flashing the cash it's got him as the kind of like the the wolf whistling yep. character that we saw in the vhs earlier it's got the heart pumping it's got the jaw dropping and of course the dance number yeah it's um oh I, every time they go start the music and the guys like bang out the toms and they go the hey will you go hey will you <laughs> to me? And it's just like i'm d- always get into that even and then that whole thing's just a crazy over the top dance number where yeah. he's like spinning her around at a million miles per hour so it's awesome yeah when he throws her in the air and then he looks at his watch like oh. most of the <laughs> just be yawn and most of the really <laughs> most of the really cheesy cartoony stuff like didn't hit me so great now as an adult but that part i i still had to laugh at because yeah i don't know it, it just reminds me of like like playing Bubsy on the on the Sega and like the idle animations where they look at their watch and then it's just a, a really cartoony thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what holds up the best? Um, um, I think the um, the his his performance. I think is what that's what really is the thing that carries the film through. So just the fact that you get him as like he's has such an expressive face but the amount of makeup that's like put on for the mask face mm. he more has to work with um his voice and his body rather than mm-hmm. his actual facial movements because it's restricted so i think that um and the fact that as i touched on at the start the mask then impersonates other different characters so you get kind of mm-hmm. like a you know a characters within a character and then you've got the flip side with the hopeless romantic geeky stanley ipkiss so mm-hmm. it's like an all-in-one jim carrey buffet sort of thing and i think that that for me is what holds up the most like beyond us talking about cgi and things like that yeah that's a good really good point and i think it's it's interesting like watching this and seeing that it was written around jim carrey's talents and thinking who else could pull this off and i had the, i had the thought that as much as it is like quintessentially jim carrey I felt like Robin Williams is the kind of person that may have gotten away with it. Maybe a younger Robin Williams when he was a bit yeah, more spry. Definitely younger. And, and yeah, definitely Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like in the 80s, like when he was doing the, the, I guess, especially the Mork and Mindy stuff, he was like a live wire, much yeah. like Jim Carrey was in the 90s. And he also had all the impressions and I'm sure the like ad-libbing would have been insane. But yeah, Jim Carrey definitely, it was... <laughs> his role to own and he really did own it i think the robin williams factor um robin williams like master impressionist just so good but uh physically yeah it would only really work in in a younger his younger form but Mm. even then jim carrey is tall and lanky and that just works with a lot of the kind of like just flow and everything Mm -hmm. that he does just and through all the films that he does so 
yeah, it, it is hard, but I think, yeah, any other person around that time, uh, Robin Williams, but, um, yeah, just, just some of the, the personalities that favorite ones that I have that always hold up for me is, <laughs> um, again, in the Coco Bongo and then, the, you know, the guys come in to come get him. And he uh, he does the accountant scene with the flower cage and not yeah. deductible. Um, and of course, you got the the, the Frenchman, which um, is oh, quite yes. uh, creepy as well. We can touch touch on that later. But yes. the whole I want to live my croissant. Um, and of course, the the, the dying scenes uh, when he gets shot with the you shot me, partner, and tell Tiny Tim I won't be home for Christmas. Just like all those yeah. sort of that's like five different personalities in a row, mm. and they're all awesome. Um, so yeah, it's a performance for me. Yeah. I love any time he delves into that, like old gangster, that like kind of listen, see, like that kind of get out of here, kid, you bother me. Like those yeah. things and <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. those throwbacks really make me laugh. But, uh, did you have anything else holding up the best Benny? Um, like I think Simon hit the nail on the head. Jim Carrey's performance is outstanding in this. Um, and just switching between so many characters in one character. Um, it's just phenomenal mm. in itself. The only other thing I was going to say is Milo the dog holds up really well. Um, oh yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> uh, there's, you just cannot love boy. that dog. Uh, he's he's one of the goodest boys of uh, film. Um, oh, he's such a good boy. Definitely. Such a good dog. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as we touched on um, before, just the and for you, Jono, mentioning how you just enjoyed Stanley Ipkiss that, that much more and just mm. even the things when you know Cameron Diaz's character first comes in he does the awkward like tie cough thing he kind of does the cough and puts the tie in his mouth and yeah and, the, at, the tongue yeah and the bit where Calloway comes around and he's trying to quiz him on things and he's like you know what is this city coming to when a man's pajama drawer is no longer safe just like yeah it's it's just <laughs> he's making up crap on the spot and uh, the fact that Calloway just kind of is still susp- you know suspected suspecting of him but he mm. he kind of buys it like, oh, okay sort of thing it's I, I don't know there's just something that's so laughable about those awkward situations that he's in hmm. yeah I mean I had for this one just the casting of Cameron Diaz because obviously yeah. she went on to be one of the biggest comedic leads female leads uh, of the next two decades let's say so yeah. yeah that that holds up pretty well yeah she did pretty amazing all things what I mentioned um, at, at the start is my favourite scene, which obviously you know, obviously holds up for me, which isn't even meant to be funny, is the yeah. bit where he's got the tape over his mouth and he hangs out, they got him in the car and he hangs out and he gets knocked into Callaway and, and his partner <laughs> and, they rip, and they rip the tape off his mouth and he screams. It's such a high-pitched robotic scream that <laughs> you have to specifically watch on VHS to appreciate mm. the tonal quality and that is my favorite part of the film and it's not even meant to be like a mask cartoony thing it's just the scream that he delivers how many times do you reckon you've seen this movie simon <sighs> uh at least 220 i think cool is that are you serious like for real oh my god i was gonna say that's the kind of observation that only someone could make if they've seen this a lot of times but mm. i was thinking like maybe 20 times but wow 220 okay well remember when they used to play uh, i mean i guess they still do it now in like your harvey normans and that they play a movie on all the different screens and you can you can yeah. hear it right and i remember standing there in in like westfield or whatever with my friend, and this is when I just really got back into it, like year eight, year nine. I was like, wait for it, wait for it. This is the funniest bit, funniest bit. And the build-up was like 
15 minutes of waiting. I'm like, oh, it's going to happen next. It's going to happen next. <laughs> and then it finally did. And I'm just like cackling in the middle of like this electric store. And he's like, what? Like he just completely missed <laughs> what what the funny part was. And it's so hard to get that through to someone. It's just, uh, anyway, that's just me. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, this question might be hard for you, Simon. What holds up the worst? Um, I think... Ooh, it's kind this might tie into the most offended actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, it's the Pepe Le Pew stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. Really, I didn't have much that was hold up the worst because the CGI does essentially hold up the worst. But we have already explained how good it is for its time and ahead of its time. It actually was a '94 release. It looks like something mm. that could have been made in '99, like to me. Um, yeah. But yeah. Nothing, nothing that hold, held up the worst per se. But when we get to the most offended, we can talk about that. Sure. Yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll save that. I guess. Was there anything, Benny, for you? Like, it all holds up pretty well. I mean, probably the thing that holds up the worst is maybe Ask Peggy. Like she's oh, yeah. just a narrative beat. Yeah, and like yeah. the bit where she saves him from the cops to only betray him later. But like. Yeah, that's like it. I don't know. There's just something about that scene where they run down the alley and they start shooting at the car and everything, and it's just like, yeah. and she goes, that, like when I rewatched it because I put subtitles on as well. She goes, "Buckle up" or something stupid like that. Like, and it was just just this really shitty line that didn't need to be there at all as well. And just yeah, um, and that was the other thing. Like, there's a couple of other moments uh, when. Uh, Tina's like chasing Stanley Ipkiss in the park before he runs into the bushes to turn into the mask. Like the the VO that they put over the scene to do the cutaway so that he can do the changes and things. A lot of the VO stuff mm-hmm. that they do to fill in the blanks, it stands out like dog balls. Um, it's really bad. Well, particularly if you have subs on, you mean? No, no, no. Like not so much when you have subs on, but like what you can hear it, like that they've actually, you can tell that they've purposely gone back and re-recorded the voice over of what oh, yeah. the scene's oh, yeah, been. Yeah. Uh, it stands out horribly. Um, like redubs. Yeah. yeah. I didn't notice that, but uh, if I ever watch it again in another 20 years, then I'll have to Yeah, it's, have it's to look out for especially it. that scene in the park uh, when yeah. he runs into the bushes to change in the mask. That bit. Okay. It stands out horribly. Um, mm. Yeah. I thought that some of the catchphrases are a bit too like on the nose and obvious. And I know that's a really weird critique for a movie that's so cartoony, but like, I don't know if it's just watching it as an adult and thinking like it it was a little bit cringe or whatever, but yeah, some of it, it seems like they're, it's like the, the writing and his catchphrases are being done specifically to be a catchphrase rather than actually having a reason for him to say them. Does that make any sense? That yeah. does make sense, but I don't think... In, in many films, I don't think so much in this film, though, because I just think it the pacing and everything... Flo- there is no not so much a let's pause, wait, insert catchphrase, move on to next... Like, I think it, it definitely has more flow to it. There are, like I said, mm. with the American Pie thing, there are plenty of parts where it's like, stop insert funny rude joke here move on sort of thing <laughs> whereas I, I don't think I, I can see where you're coming from and yeah I, I guess maybe upon a rewatch now thinking that more critically I might but um, 
Yeah, and that's kind of just like a '90s thing in general. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like like Jim Carrey had the same thing in Ace Ventura. Like he admitted some of the things he was doing. He wanted them to become like catchphrases and quotes. So yeah, yeah, they definitely have that in um, Sonic. Yeah, and and like I guess it was that era as well. I mean, Saturday Night Live has always been pretty big for the last mm. like forty years, but like the SNL, like the sketch comedy, especially in the nineties, it was like, okay, this sketch has to have a catchphrase. Yeah, and I don't think that 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 sketch comedy works like that anymore. It, it's but it funny definitely you mentioned was at that um, time. You mentioned Saturday Night Live and the catchphrase stuff. Like they actually did a whole bit where they did the, the Carrie family reunion when they had Jim Carrey on as a host. Yeah, yeah. and like it, it's on YouTube, so you can go find it. But like all yeah, the people that are great. coming in are like characters, like Jim Carrey's characters from. Yeah, pretending to be his family members. It's like Uncle Morty. He's like, "Where's Uncle Morty? Oh, he's out smoking and all sorts, yeah, like, all yeah, sorts of shit." And just really hamming up the lines. And yeah, the yeah. guy comes in yelling, "Cable guy!" and dressed up as um, they did that with Sandler sure. as well. Like, there's a there's a great Adam Sandler one of those. Two, yeah. So anyway, that was the main thing. But also like throwing away the mask at the end. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, this is a weapon, and you're just." throwing it in the river for someone else to yeah to, to come across but he's he's throwing uh, it in the river for some other down on his luck schmuck like he was as well well that's his friend so, his friend his friend from the bank dives in after it yeah he could have just given it to his friend he didn't have to throw it in the river like anyone like we've seen how dangerous it is within the wrong hands i think yeah. that he he maybe could have had a better plan than to just toss it in the river i think the idea is that it's meant to be like he knows you can't destroy it you know like he threw it he threw it originally it boomerangs back to him sort of thing but yeah. i think mm-hmm. it's more like he is she likes him for him and he's grown beyond that and he's not so you know he's more confident now blah blah i don't need this anymore throw it away i don't care about it i, I don't yeah, think it was he probably quite looks yeah. at it and thinks in that he's probably too distracted by the fact that i've i've now come all this way sort of thing but yeah yeah let's move on who would be the most offended and i think we probably agree that the uh the scene where he's this French character, it's a kind of a Pepe Le Pew-esque character, yeah. and he's almost kind of forcing himself on Cameron it's, Diaz. It's on, pretty on creepy. Tina. Yeah. It is forceful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The thing about that is that Pepe Le Pew himself was also that way, and yeah. I'm sure that's what, what they were going for, but that doesn't mean that it's not, like, weird in today's culture, especially Me Too and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's bizarre how... You know, the character is so attracted to him the first time they meet, and then this second time around, he comes on really strong. And it's it's almost that Nutty Professor kind of, like, dual personality thing, Just I guess. Just blows it. Yeah, she's yeah. kind of not interested, in, and then he wears her down. Is that your take on it as well, Simon? Yeah, I, I think she's sort of seen like, wait, this is... You know, I was intrigued before. He was this mysterious, charming guy, and then now it's just like I've just... He's, he's very over the yeah. top, but even the opening line where he's like, "You are a red, red rose, and I'm a little thorny." It's just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's, it's very, very upfront, and he's like, you know, I want to, you know, I've got a red my cross on, I want to spread your pate, I want to dip my ladle into your vicious wine. It's just like, wow, that is, yeah, and she you, needs you, him in the nuts. You translate that into actual sexual terms, and it's yeah, very forceful. Um, yeah, it's a bit much. But the thing is, I don't think. Like, um, I'll, I'll have to go back and listen to it. I'm not sure at what part you touched on, say, the Ace Ventura episode, but that obviously has the the, 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 the big part about who would be most offended. 
um, with the whole mm-hmm. reveal at the end. Yeah. And I think that is, to me, is far more problematic than this because this is, it is weird, it is strange and a bit, it's very cringy to watch, but it is a representation, as you said, of the Pepe Le Pew character. Yeah. It's a, it's a emulation of it. So, yeah, it's, it's not so much that it's forgivable per se, but it's more kind of like you can see how they formulated that. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's it kind of compounds into the the writing for Cameron Diaz's character, which I referred to before. I think that it's kind of a weak character and a mm. weak, like you look at her. She's first of all, she's in this I, I guess abusive, semi abusive relationship with with the bad guy. Uh, she's kind of used. He sends her in there to f- spy on the bank with the video camera, and then. I guess the relationship falls apart and then she's the damsel in distress that has to get rescued at the end. And she does outsmart him and get him to take his mask off, I guess, which is kind mm. of the saving grace. But for a, a actress that now we know is capable of, of so much, it, it seems like a pretty like basic, like rescue the princess kind of role. Yeah, yeah it is hard. That. Cause it is kind of a, uh, it is essentially kind of a male dominated film. But I feel like by Stanley not being macho and being Gucci, uh, Gucci, goofy, that it, um, <laughs> that it, it sort of helps counteract that. Like there definitely is that damsel in distress vibe, but yeah, they're, they're just sort of teetering the balance a little bit by Stanley isn't your typical buff guy. And then mm. she does do a bit of the outsmarting and it all kind of works out in the end. So, and then there, it's hard. There is obviously the factor of like, well, this was 1994 sort of thing. And mm. um, yeah, yeah. obviously we're talking about, you know, how does it relate to now? But yeah, I, I certainly think there's uh, a lot of movies that came out around that time that are f- far worse off for the whole macho oh, yeah. damsel in distress yeah. <laughs> thing. So, yeah. Did you have anything further to add, Benny? Nah, not really. I, you guys hit the nail on the head. The, the thing is, a lot of those lines in that scene still make me laugh regardless. Because um, <laughs> and it's because in my mind, and because I watched a lot of Looney Tunes cartoons growing up as a kid as well, I just immediately relate it to the Pepe Le Pew thing. And Pepe Le Pew makes me laugh and stuff like that as well. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, I, I get why it's offensive and why it could be seen as really not that great but at the same time is it's a product of its time and it's a it's a play on the Peppy Bill Pew character um and like she you know it's not like she gets she's t- attracted to it at all she's actually repulsed by you know how creepy he is and things like that so on one hand he's he's yeah utter creep but she defends herself she needs him straight in the nuts and everything like that to get away from him and you know push him away and then even when he's She's sitting on the chair afterwards. He he's like blowing the smoke. Like you look at her face, and like she kind of smiles for like when he yes, blows like yeah, the heart and shoots the thing. And then she's like got like a cringy sort of smile on it. And then as soon as the cops turn up, she's like, "Fuck yes, I'm out of here." Yeah. Bails straight away. <laughs> so it's not like they're glorifying it; they're just using it for comedic effect to play off the trope from Pepe yeah. Le Pew, and it's clearly not working for him as well. And it's also the oh. first film that I learned my first French swear word, uh, just at that <laughs> scene as well, which is the merde sort of bit, and then yeah. the yeah. freeze, and but you told me to freeze, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually so like the, the one that he goes, j'adore, j'adore window, I don't care. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I really love the bit following that though. They they're going through his pockets. Oh, that scene is so good. Yes, and the yes. bit where he pulls out, he's like, and they're like, you know, rubber chicken, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I have a permit for that and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, and but the bit with the uh, the picture of Callaway's wife, he's like, Margaret. He's like, gee, I thought you'd have a sense of humor. After all, you married her, and just like, yeah, classic like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant stuff. Just great comedy. Well. Does the mask pass the internet relevancy test? I think that's a yeah. yes. You know, that whether it's memes, GIFs, whatever, like the mask is around and it's in the kind of lexicon through the quotes, uh, through mm. the reactions, whether it's throwing up the cash, whether it's, you know, smoking, party time, the jaw drops, the heart thumping, all the stuff we've mentioned previously. Yep. I think that, yeah, it just does. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. There's so many memes out there. I mean... How often do you look on the Twitter timeline? You'll see like someone doing like the thank you gif, where it's Jim Carrey or the mask with the cowboy outfit with the Academy Award and everything. Like, yeah, yeah. That is a hundred percent on the internet relevancy test now. Like, it's it's just iconic. The reason I think it also works so well is okay. So you can have like a lot of these actors that kind of appear in a lot of these memes and stuff, and sometimes you like. I'm not entirely sure which of their movies it's from. Whereas mm. I think mm-hmm. The Mask, it's so there, there's no yeah. second guessing at all. It yeah. is very definitively, iconically that film. So that's why I yeah. think it works so mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and I think also there was that whole like the the backup dancer or whatever it was. <laughs> you know that that photo of of Jim Carrey with his stunt double. Yeah. Oh, and yes. it's like. The, it's like the the B grade version of something that that became a, a pretty good meme. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just sort of it's another like thing so, that doesn't hold up. Something though. a little bit off. Yeah, yeah. What was that? Um, Orlando, the one of the like Doritos like goons. He's the bald yeah. guy with the ponytail at the back. So he's just all bald. And he's got this plaited <laughs> oh, yeah. ponytail at the back. That is the most horrible haircut I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> It's so bad. I, I, don't I even... also always um, always quote the the bit before they're about to do the bank heist with the the doctor is about to Oh, the operate. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That is also very 90s too. You talk about the, just the whole yeah. get up, the whole sort of like crime scene and the background music and everything. Mm. It's, it's totally 90s. How would smartphones and social media change the mask, if at all? I was going to say, I don't think it would change this whole, whole overall story very much. I mean, you probably see, like, like shots of social media referring to Coco Bongo Club mm. or something like that. I, th- I think overall, I don't think it would change a hell of a lot of the film. Uh, maybe the fact that there'd be more cameras capturing what he's doing. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it would be a citizen would accidentally capture a transformation. Like, they'd be taking a selfie yeah. video... And then you'd see the transformation in, of him putting the mask on or something like that would yeah. happen. And that's what would be, rather than hitting the papers, you know, how the mask picture appears in the paper, it would be social media. So that'd pretty much be it, I reckon. Yeah, And, and maybe yeah. also he would have stumbled across on the internet something about the uh, psychiatrist, I can't remember his name, instead of just happened, happening to have it on like a news report or something like that where he's talking about the book on like breakfast television or something. The masks we wear. That's correct, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I have the same thing. They film him, it'd go viral, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing. But 
Anyway, could you make the mask in 2020? What would that version look like? I mean, for me, I kind of just had like Deadpool. I feel like that's like the yeah. newish kind of more like hip version of this where it's cartoony, it's self-referential, it's it's violent, it's it's funny and yeah. it's over the top, I, but it works. Yeah, 100%. I think you can make remake this movie virtually almost beat for beat, but like I mean, you could just remake it with a new story as well. I mean, you could still kind of do a similar sort of story, but like this this movie could 100% be remade today. Um I think it would have to be way cleverer with the comedy oh yeah, I think yeah it would definitely. have to be like, more um referential to like memes and pop culture of yeah. the internet yeah like you could do it like just modernizing it the the storylines and things like that and the tropes and uh the memes and everything that you can do with it but yeah i, I think 100 percent you could remake this film um whether or not you should or not I think yeah. it could, but it would have nowhere near the impact because we've been absolutely smothered with CGI overload mm. and stuff that doesn't even impress people anymore. That 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 whole factor of it, that whole cartoony factor, people are like, eh. Yeah, like that's just how it would be. And yeah, yeah it would it's, rely it's, a lot more it's on hard. the comedy. I, yeah, it would rely more on the comedy. And if anyone else other than Jim Carrey did it, it would just be awkward. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, 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 I certainly would not want them to do it. I, I they could, think but I don't of think they a should. actor that could pull that role off today, like a young Bill Hader, maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. not really that young enough. No, like I'm, I'm thinking someone like in their, you know, mid to late twenties, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I got, I got nothing. Yeah, I maybe. mean Zach, yeah. Zach Efron, <laughs> maybe. Um, I don't think he's got the chops. No, no, no he hasn't got the impersonation. He's gone chops, beyond the level of buffness. Like he, yeah. he went to a level where now he's just disgustingly buff. That I'm just saying. <laughs> I just work. thought of him because his comedy stuff that he's done has actually been pretty good. So, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, maybe there'd be some sitcom person that could probably do it. But yeah, I think they tried to do a sequel. Yeah, they did do a sequel. <laughs> the son of oh, the, the son, the of, son the of the mask. Yeah. yeah, in 2005, which. I never Jamie watched, Kennedy. but I really don't think it's a good idea. It's, probably, it's not worth it. I've seen bits of it. I haven't. I've never seen the whole thing because I heard it was so horrible. I think a uh, 2020 version would definitely pull away from the damsel in distress part. Obviously, mm-hmm. we were talking about before. You'd have a stronger uh, female character in it, and I think that if they did do it, and as we talk about modernize and stuff, I'd hope that they wouldn't in terms of the music that they'd still retain, like the whole Cuban thing or the jazz club and all that sort of stuff, because mm-hmm. those traditional genres still exist and dedicated clubs still exist for that, for that type of thing. I just, I just, I wouldn't want to see like, here's the nightclub version or something like that. It would just, yeah. I don't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work for me, but. You know what? Actually, that's one of the most disappointing things about after being a kid and seeing this film and growing up and they're not being like hip, jazz swing clubs and <laughs> stuff like that around like that's probably the most disappointing thing growing up at becoming an adult after being a fan of this film as a kid because that's what i wanted i wanted particularly growing up in uh, in australia i think we're yeah yeah probably limited on well. uh, specialist clubs like that so yeah they're few and far between and like that's something that would be yeah i'd love to go to one of those sort of clubs that'd be great but yeah we don't mm. really have them here in australia um not that i'm aware of we, at least uh... in brisbane <laughs> <laughs> We're up to useless trivia now. And did you guys know about the Nintendo Power story related to the Mask 2? No, no. but please do tell. <laughs> right. So 
I think it was chronicled in an angry video game nerd um, video, but basically Nintendo Power in the 90s advertised this competition and the winner would get a walk-on role in The Mask 2, which was filming soon and obviously it never happened. Mm. So it's it's just, there's just someone out there that uh, never got their moment in the spotlight. Huh, there you go. Really weird yeah, well. story. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could get a walk-on role in um, Ace Ventura 3, the rumored Ace Ventura 3. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I found this interesting that uh, Jim Carrey was paid 450 grand to do this movie. Obviously, that was before Ace Ventura had released. So once yeah. that movie came out and was so successful, he was able to get his Dumb and Dumber salary up to $7 million, yeah. which... Damn. <laughs> we covered that a little bit on that uh, episode two of, of this podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Big payday, big payday. Huge payday. And, you know, when you look at this movie making over, you know, 200, whatever million dollars, 450 grand is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. There was an unused idea for this movie, according to one of the people involved, which was to transform the story into one about a mask maker who took faces off of corpses to put them on teenagers and turn them into zombies. Ooh, that sounds the... like a very different movie. That <laughs> sounds like... Halloween three almost. That's super creepy. Yeah, yeah I w- I'm glad I w- we which, got what we got. Which Halloween film? Uh, you guys might not remember like classic horror stuff, no. but like Halloween. I want to say Halloween three off the top of my head, but basically it was something along that sort of vein where the costume maker made the costumes for the kids on Halloween, and then they turned into the actual monsters they were dressed up as. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds like Goosebumps. Yeah, it kind of has like a Goosebumpsy sort of vibe. But like, we're talking like, you know, Michael Myers level crazy sort of thing. But this is like back in the 70s, early 80s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe go. that's it. You'll do a horror rewind next, hey, Jono? <laughs> yeah. You can host that one, Ben. Yeah, yeah nah, I was going to say, f- find someone that spends more time with horror, horror movies because that's not me. I, I can't, so, I can't uh... be bothered, but I love classic <laughs> horror. I will say that. <laughs> It's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. Uh, I only had one nomination for this. It's a one-horse race, unless you guys can suggest anyone else. But doc- playing Dr. Arthur Newman, I had Ben Stein. Mm. Uh, you referred to him earlier. You you quoted him earlier, Simon. But uh, the... Yeah, he's not a huge presence, but I, I do find him entertaining. He's... It might just be because I know him from Ferris Bueller. He's the Bueller, Bueller guy. Yeah. And seeing him in this just made me made me happy. Is there anyone, any kind of cameos that stood out to you? Because I feel like, you know, Stanley's best friend at the bank. He's not that memorable. His boss, not that memorable. Even Peggy, not that memorable. Just love it when he takes it his aggression out on the, um, yeah. and then Mrs. Peanman, the uh, <laughs> the, the the like the landlady. Um, I have no idea what her name is. Yeah, she could get a, a nomination. Mm. All right, we'll nominate her, but I think Ben Stein's still gonna win it. Yeah. Oh yeah, his his voice and deadpan delivery is so good. It stands yeah. out the most. Actually, let's give it to let's give it to Milo. Actually. Yeah, Milo. Yeah. Get it. Give I it to Milo. Otherwise, um, uh, Detective Doyle. 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Even him reminded me of a cartoon character. Yeah. That whole like bungling detective sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That that it's it's that like yeah boss yeah boss like the you know the the two <laughs> dogs and one of them like kind of goes around <laughs> in circles around the the big one. Mimsy. <laughs> I love the whole thing where he's um he's he's ta- you know taking um taking him away or whatever and he's trying to sp- sort of speak to him he's like oh oh pig latin you see oh yeah Adelie. it's just like yeah. so <laughs> it's like oh man you're so thick just <laughs> yeah yeah uh, last question is the mask still a good movie you guys give me your takes first um yeah I'm just gonna say yeah it's it's still a good movie it still made me laugh rewatching it um I still quoted a whole mess of the lines i still remember so many of them and i can't remember when the last time i actually watched sat down and watched the whole thing was um it's been that long i want to say probably some time in the mid 2000s and was probably caught it on tv or something like that hmm. um but yeah it's it still makes me laugh and i still enjoy so many of the lines um like i said I've, for so long, I've been quoting the "Oops, wrong pocket" and the uh, "It's a <laughs> like dog was rabbit had to put it down." Like that's been, <laughs> yeah, one of those things. It's funny what sticks with you though. Like, yeah. as I said, I haven't watched it for so long, and there was things that happened, and I was like, "Oh, that's this movie." Like, yeah, when it, he's punching the guy at the end, and he's like, "I'm winning." Yeah, and yeah, that and was it something <laughs> that for some reason I remembered that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, there's just something about this movie that just. It's so easy to go back and watch. Um, I mean, unless you don't like Jim Carrey, um, then yeah, it, it's it's an easy movie to enjoy. Simon, I'm guessing it's a yes. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It is not a good movie. It is the best movie. That is what <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think you'd have anything else. I have a certain uh, bias and, and love for it, obviously. So, yeah, it's it's great. Um, last time I watched it was a year ago, and it was the first time my wife had seen it. I couldn't believe it. And mm. I probably annoyed her because I was quoting the entire time. So Did she like it? Yeah, yeah, she thought it was funny. But she just doesn't 100% get my infatuation with Jim Carrey. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched it with my wife tonight, and she couldn't handle it. Like oh. she was just like, this is so stupid. Like, oh wow. She, she like, and she grew up like her dad is a really big Jim Carrey fan, but more like me, myself, and Irene, like that kind of era, mm. like the I guess the late nineties, early two thousands. And I feel like it's probably not a movie I'd recommend to people who didn't grow up with it. I'm not sure that it would hold up to that younger generation unless they're huge Jim Carrey fans and want to go back and see everything he's done. I, I think if they like the cartoon style of humor, that's the people that will yeah. enjoy it the most. Um, yeah. If they don't like that, you got, you got to have a little bit of a childish humor factor to them as well to yes. really, really enjoy yeah, it. You have to, I, I think having an appreciation for Looney Tunes and for that kind of old style and the impressions yeah. and the pop culture references that he's making, like, if you know, like, oh, he's referencing Gone with the Wind, or if you know, like, oh, that's, mm. you know, John Wayne or whatever, like, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. But if you're a young, like, my wife's five years younger than me and didn't grow up, like, binging everything like mm. like we probably did. So, she's not getting all those references, and I think a lot of young people just wouldn't. Nah. And it might not hit for them. But, you know, is it a good movie? It's Jim Carrey at his peak. In, in a sense so i think if you're a jim carrey fan it's a good movie yeah cool yeah 100 percent. yeah well i'm glad that we all agree and i'm i'm glad simon i'm guessing this is the first time you've podcasted about 
this movie, is it? It's weird. I've been actually secretly waiting for the opportunity to talk about it because, like, I have friends that love Jim Carrey, but they don't have podcasts, you know, sort of thing. I was like, it would be great mm. if there was, like, some sort of, like, movie review thing and they did an episode about The Mask. <laughs> and, then, um, and then when I saw you were doing this show and it's like, oh, Ace Ventura, I was just like, message you. I was like, oh, hey, are you going to do The Mask? Because, um, yeah, I'm yeah. down for that. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was just I, a matter I, of getting around to it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't on my original like short list because I was like, oh, I don't know if that movie's going to hold up well. And then I was like, well, if it doesn't, then it, it's still interesting to talk about. And anyway, mm. I'm, I'm glad that we could do this. And thanks for coming on, Simon, for jumping into the 8-Bit family for one night. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Uh, if people want to catch you on Twitter and tell you that you're crazy for watching a movie 220 times, where can they find you? <laughs> they can find me on Twitter with the handle at Precise Path. That's it. And Take My Turn comes out how often? Uh, weekly. And you can yeah, subscribe in your player or just head to takemytone.com to check out all the episodes. Brilliant. Benny, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at the Spawny 13 is all across Twitter. And then uh, also all over... The 8-bit stuff, we're doing lots of fun things at the moment. Welcome to Knob Switch is doing well, and uh, mm. Han rolled first as well as the first episode of That's Out. And uh, I look forward to doing Good some time. more of this tabletop stuff that I've been doing. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, really stretching my creative muscles. Very good. Mm. Very good indeed. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm on social medias at Johnny himself. And uh, if you want to leave some podcasts, reviews, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it is Podchaser, that goes a really long way to helping the show. And if you are doing that, you may as well get in there and leave reviews for the rest of the 8-Bit family in the 8-Bit Collective. Benny mentioned some of their shows there as well. Well, that's it for now. So, dear listeners, we thank you for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Until next episode, be kind. Stay hungry.